Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. Man, I love that alliteration. Ovi, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good. Doing good. All right, so there's no game uh, on Sunday, so you and I will not be recording a uh, a reaction podcast on Sunday. So this is the first time that you will get us, first and last time this week that you'll get us. Um, but it's a great show. We chatted with Steve Weish. You may have heard of him from the uh, NFL Network about all things Falcons um, from the first five games and what to expect kind of after the bye week. But Today, Ovi and I are just quickly going to um, give our thoughts on where the team stands uh, coming out of the bye week as they are going to prepare next week to face the Miami Dolphins, who are going to be flying back from a London game of their own, and we will see how that all works out. But Ovi, just big picture-wise for the Falcons, what excites you most about this team coming out of the win against New York, out of the bye week, and then into a daunting 12-game run to uh, close out the season? Well, I mean, what excites me most is that I feel like uh, Austin Powers guys have you know, got their swagger back. They, they, they lost their mojo. Their for mojo, a bit, baby, mojo. they found their mojo. So I am really excited <laughs> yeah. that, it, yeah, baby, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a, a completely crappy, terrible, horrible season because you thought that this might be one of those teams that just give up, lay down, you know, woe is me, and we can't do this, and guys are checking out left and right. It happens. In fact, it happens more than it doesn't happen. So usually by week five, six, seven, Falcons fans are like, all right, who are we going to draft? Who's a new quarterback receiver? You know, why, who, who, who are we looking at in college? <laughs> like we're literally scouring the college landscape to see who we can pick. And we're in the top four or five picks. This year, I mean, it still could happen, but I don't think in my gut – that it's going to be one of those seasons. I feel like that we have enough to work with to be a, a serviceable team that can build a foundation. And especially watching Kyle Pitts, I mean, the the man is going to be a contributor on this team. He's not going to be one of those busts. He's not going to be in a you know one of these long lists of people who we regret picking. He's going to be somebody contribute in a big way. Absolutely, and you know it's funny because I'm a man of of habit. Usually, it's about week six that I start. Turning my attention to the uh, the draft, the college football landscape, seeing, all right, who are some early people? I got to do that again this year, but because it was a bye week, not because the Falcons yeah. were 0-5. So we're already trending in the right direction on that front. <laughs> but you you said it, dude. The, the reason, I think, to be optimistic, Kyle Pitts is a big one right there. But really, and, and Steve, I think, made a, a great point uh, during our interview discussion with him, is this is almost a team yeah. of misfits at this point. It's it's a team of of one year veteran contracts, uh, guys who because it was such a weird pandemic year, you saw a lot of those mm-hmm. contracts around the league. They may be looking to kind of cash in one great season with this team and then go make bank somewhere else. The Falcons, because they're still going to be cash strapped, probably aren't going to be able to land a bunch of those guys. But I want to see the future of this team of this roster really start to emerge over these final twelve games. I want to see the young guys that are going to be the ones that you can build around, whether that's an A.J. Terrell who continues to fall out this season and hopefully does for the rest of the year. 
whether that's Calvin Ridley and he maybe emerges as the number one we expected or he doesn't. And then that's a new question in and of itself. Chris Lindstrom, is he going to be a franchise right guard for you? All of these young guys, maybe I'm somebody I haven't even mentioned yet, steps up, shows out. And I mean, that's what I'm most excited, I think, to watch is win or lose. Who are the guys that we should be excited about moving forward for when hopefully there are seasons ahead worth actually being super excited about? Good one. Uh, I think we should be excited about Jalen Mayfield. Um, the fact that he's not going to be a bust either because yeah. the Jets terrified me after getting seven sacks before they came over here. And I did not think our poorest <laughs> offensive line would be able to handle um, the the team that had seven sacks. And we did. We had zero sacks. Zero sacks were allowed against us. And I uh, just like a proud papa that offensive line and them big boys able to to kind of bow up and, and handle their business and protect our $100 million quarterback. So uh, Jalen Mayfield impressed me. We already talked about Kyle uh, Pitts impressing. Um, you know, Coral Patterson's an easy one. Uh, he's almost he's, he's almost like too good. I feel like something's going to happen. Like, we, we don't <laughs> deserve to have... They need to nerf a, him. Yeah, we don't deserve to have somebody who literally is not making big money, not a big name, no one predicted it because all these analysts swear they know the future. We can tell you who's good and who's bad, but no one saw this coming. So I'm like, all right, is, is this real? Is this really happening? Do we get this this gem for a full year? Because I don't know if uh, he's going to be at the same price for next year, the years forward, because somebody's going to pay him a lot of money to do what he's been doing this year. So uh, those are a couple of players that I'm really excited about. We'll see if we can uh, cover some more. Yeah, very ta- Taylor Gabriel-esque uh, season so far for Corderell Patterson. Just kind of came out of nowhere and is a huge part of this offense. But Ovi, I want you to say it one more time for the people in the back. How many sacks did the Jets have on Sunday against Atlanta? Seven sacks before and zero sacks against us. So that is something they're all the, the Falcons, the woe is measers, if that's even a thing, to, you know, get some solace and get some some happiness and or just some comfort. The fact that our boys are getting better, and that's a good thing. The boys are getting better. Uh, we're about to get into some of the things that maybe we're a little worried about after the bye week. But first, let's take a quick break. Football is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another great season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Ovi, after the bye week, Falcons go into it with a win, but still a close win against the New York Jets, who are just a nightmare of a team. Um, what worries you about this Falcons um, group over the, the second half of the season? Well, uh, I mean, I'm still worried about our, our defense. It's not as dominant as I'd like to be. They're not dominant at all, but you know, they're they're one of those 
hold on and, and wish something good to happen. Now we're better. We're, we're definitely better. Uh, but as always, the defense is lagging behind the offense. And if we can't stop anybody, they say defense wins championships. We're winning zero championships for our defense as it is now. Uh, our second round pick, Richie Grant, I- I'd love for him to contribute more. Like they're being really uh, 007 and you know secretive about why isn't he playing? Why isn't he getting more reps? When's he coming along? And I just want to know that we picked the right guy because we've had so many years, decade plus of Thomas Dimitrov picking guys who don't even survive in the league after a couple of years. I-, I want to believe that Terry Fontenot is picking guys who are going to contribute and we're not picking Good player, bust, bust, good player, bust, 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 good player. Can't do that. Uh, but um, outside of Richie Grant, a couple of players that I really like to show up, it's the special teams for me. It's the special teams that, from a special teams player that I think can leave us vulnerable to us finally getting our stuff together, offense, defense, and then they're running it back to the 50-yard line every single play. I mean, every time they have a, a kickoff return or they're or shanking a punt again or – doing something, jumping off sides on a key special teams play. I want to be confident that our special teams is going to be solid. They're not going to make any waves. They're not going to surprise us in a bad way. They're just going to do their job because as special teams players, eh, just do your job. Like that, that, That's all you're supposed to do. All you do <laughs> is kick. All you do is return. Like Just do yeah. your job and don't mess up You know the, the rest of the, the game because you have a lapse in judgment. So far, the guys that do have just one job on special teams, like Young Wei Koo, uh, he's done about as well as you could ask uh, so far this season. He's somebody that I don't think anybody should worry about at this point. Um, but I, I like a lot of... Young Wei Koo is Koo. Koo is Koo. But the punter the punter is uh, having some issues, our punting situation. All six of them so far this season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but no, you, you bring up great points with everything. I, I think that outside of injuries, obviously, like that's, that's always a concern. It really doesn't even need to be said. I'm, I'm worried most about, and again, I'm kind of taking a long view of it, are the players that you expect to take that next jump, whether it be somebody like Calvin Ridley, who is taking like the jump of jumps and can you go from being great as a number two to great as a number one, or is it somebody mm-hmm. like Hayla McGarry or Marlon Davidson or, you know, just these, these different pieces that aren't aren't key pieces but you would hope that they maybe have a chance to become at least um second tier pieces on a good team if they don't make that jump all of a sudden now you have kind of holes popping up where you didn't expect holes to be when you started the season and they already have enough holes to fill likewise regression if you know we jake matthews has been somebody you have not had to worry about since you drafted him he's starting to get up there in age a little bit as well and an injury to him, um, knock on wood, or slight regression from from him or from Grady Jarrett or who have you, like that would then start to worry me because again, it's all about building for the future for me. So you don't need holes to start popping up all over this roster. You already have enough holes in the boat that you got to fill um, yep. as is. Uh, so, all right, Ovi, before we get to our conversation with Steve Weish, I just want your final um, thoughts and maybe a prediction about they are. Th- Two and three coming out of the bye week. They have 12 games left. How do you think the season unfolds? And do you still think, I believe you said 10 and seven. You still. I sure did like a dummy. Oh man. And we, if we beat the Washington football team, I mean, we were three and two. I, I'd say 10 and seven is still a possibility. Now I have to kind of uh, restructure my, uh, <laughs> uh, my thoughts and 
and say that we're going to be not seven and ten. I'd say eight and nine. Eight and nine. Okay. Yep. You you think you think it's a, a just an up and down season all the way, kind of like what we've seen so far, or do you think it's? Oh, I, 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 absolutely. We're not going on any you know big win loss win runs or you know loss runs like we we're going to have an up and down season because we're still finding ourselves. We're, we're, we haven't arrived. We're not here. Um, I think uh, Steve made a great point, and you'll, you'll hear a little more about developing players. We have a lot of players that, that need to develop, and this will be uh, uh, you know, a landscape to do so. Yeah, I agree with that, and that that's why I am sticking with my original prediction of 7 and 10. I just I think that we haven't even really seen injuries start to take a massive toll. I, I know that Russell Gage yeah. has been out, and I know Isaiah Oliver is now down, but like these are these are key guys, but the, it's not like if you lose Deion Jones for any amount of time or you lose AJ Terrell for any amount, like it's going to be really tough. And so those haven't even hit yet. I think seven and 10. That being said, I, there is a small part of me that really actually thinks that they could be onto something here. And I wouldn't be shocked if, if our conversation at the end of, let's say midway through November, if by Thanksgiving, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I are starting to, to be believers in this team. It's, I'm not, not ready to say it yet. Just throwing it out there. Uh, so It'd be fun. It would be nice to have uh, them surprises like again, like the Hawks did. No one thought the Hawks would be a couple games away from the NBA finals. There you go, and they did it. So the, the Falcons aren't as good as the Hawks talent wise, no. but we have enough to make some noise. If all the pieces you land where they're supposed to, and you know we get that that lucky bounce, crazier things have happened. I've seen worse teams get into the playoffs and then make some noise. Why not us? Why not now? <laughs> Absolutely. I can't give you a reason why not, but <laughs> absolutely, and and they'll have the benefit of not really being anybody's target game, you know. <laughs> so yeah. they can they can absolutely okay. take on the role of spoiler this year and be the Grinch come Christmas. Um, but all of that being said, let's get to a guy who is not a Grinch, uh, the very smart and football minded Steve Weish. Steve Weish, who has almost too many jobs to name, but you know him best from the NFL Network, where he is a reporter and an analyst, and also a uh, a local to Atlanta, former Falcons beat writer for the AJC. So he knows a thing or two about the uh, hometown team. But Steve, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And you know, I used to cover Ovi yep. back when Ovi <laughs> was was clearing holes, yep. man. When they were just bring those, you know, bring that off tackle stuff. You know, against Brady Papinga and guys like that, yeah. Ovi was just clearing holes so guys could get into the end zone. So, no, I'm doing great, man. It's, it's, it's great to be on this podcast. No, Steve, it's great to have you, buddy. Uh, I remember when you first uh, – when I first saw you, you know, you're always walking around, getting the scoop, talking to the guys. Um, it's – man, we're old. You have gray hair. I got gray hair. Uh, we're so young, <laughs> man. Time flies. Goodness gracious. Lots happened. Hey, time flies, but you know what? I think we're all maximizing the time that we have. Oh yeah, and I mean, Steve, I'm sure you you did the old uh, reporter trick when the scrum was was in front of one player. You kind of sneak off to the side, go get your one on one time in the locker room. That's the uh, the real move there. So that was my mo. I mean, I always lived by that. Where you know you zig when the other zag, and you know I learned that trick when I was working down in Miami covering the Dolphins, and you know, the camera crews and stuff would follow the beat writers. And so we'd go over to Dan Marino, we'd go over to Trace Armstrong or 
Richmond Webb or some of those guys, and everybody would follow. And then I would walk over to them like, okay, I tell you what, I'm going to come back in five minutes to talk to you. (laughs) And so I'd bounce, and everybody else would be there like, "Uh, uh, 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 uh." so that was kind of my thing. Oh yeah, and then the other the other key is you go find somebody like Ovi because <laughs> no one's talking about the, the run game could have <laughs> the run game. That's not true, Ovi. I said, oh, no, Ovi's a demon deacon. He went to Wake Forest. I was like, okay, this dude's smart. He's gonna give me some good stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the move. Boye coming out of Yale, one of the first guys that I went to introduce myself to when he was a rookie. So, um, but Steve, you you wrote a column for AtlantaFalcons.com recently, right before the Jets game. And I think it really accurately uh, depicted where a lot of Falcons fans' heads were at the time. It was, all right, you you won your first game against New York. You looked pretty good for spurts of the Washington game, but you still let it slip through your fingers. And now you really can't let that Jets game get out of hand and end up a loss. Your season's essentially done at that point. They didn't do that. They won the game, even though that third quarter got a little bit dicey and it looked like some of those old tendencies were going to pop up. It didn't. They won the game. It was gritty, kind of like that New York game. But we continue to see progress. So how are you feeling now about the Falcons coming out of the bye week? Are you feeling any different or have your expectations changed in any way from where they were going into the season with this team? Well, they haven't changed um, because I figured it'd be a season of fits and starts, right, where they would look good and then they would have a little bit of turmoil and then look good again because that's the way this roster is built, yeah. right? You've got Matt, the veteran, um, and then you've got kind of some guys on one-year deals, and then you've got some young offensive linemen. And then on defense, it's kind of built, you know, again, guys in the secondary on one-year deals. You've got, you know, some really good linebackers. You've got a, a few decent interior linemen, but no real winners on the edge, right? One-on-one type winners. So, you know, they're – when they match up against certain teams, they're going to be able to get by with some of the things they do. When other teams, it's going to be a bad matchup for them. And the things that I do like is, you know, Cordero Patterson. And besides just the production he's giving them, I think he's showing other players how to play football, right? Every time he touches the ball, he's doing it at 100 miles an hour. doesn't matter where he's catching it. doesn't matter whether he's taking a handoff. He's going full speed. Like, it means something to him. Yeah, And that clearly is not the case for some of these other players because we have seen some receivers get short arm going across the middle, right? We have seen some guys not make plays when they're standing right there in front of them. And so, you know, you see some of these guys play well, some of these other guys stepping up, Mike Davis when he's got his opportunities. But Kyle Pitts, you know, that Jets game, because you didn't have Ridley or Gage, it forced Arthur Smith to throw everything – out of the window and make him a focal point. And hopefully they stick with it because he's your fourth overall pick. He's the guy you're building around. He's shown himself to be able to do it, stick with it and open up your offense a little bit more. Now I love it, Steve. I mean, you mentioned uh, how we're built and expectations and Kyle Pitts. And, you know, these are all things that I was going to ask you questions on, but since you brought them up uh, with the expectations that the Falcons have for this team, are, are we built to win? Are we, are we built to uh, be successful this season or is this season a wash? Cause a lot of fans are on that fence as do we look for a draft pick this year or are we trying to sneak into the playoffs? Are, are we built to win? It's a great question. Um, we're, you know, it's five games in, right? They're two and three. You can't say the season's a wash yet, 
But again, I don't think this is the type of team, and over you've been on these teams where you can go on a four or five game winning yeah. streak. I just, I just don't think they're talented enough through the roster. We've seen one or two injuries can do to this defense, right? It was already a defense that was very questionable. Again, like I said, you've got no one-on-one winners on the edges, right? AJ Terrell's a stub, but you got issues on the other corner, and the secondaries kind of hit or miss. You know, they're having to scheme up a lot of things that they're trying to work on. So, I don't think they're the type of team that can go on the type of extended win run that gets you into the playoffs. At the same time, I don't think that's what the season is about. I think it is building steadily as you go and then also doing the hardest thing that there is to do once you get into the regular season, and that's developing Mm. players, right? Because over you know this, you are planning, and basically it's not a week. You're practicing Wednesday. You're practicing Thursday. You're walking through Friday and Saturday. So you're game planning for your next appointment or your next opponent, right? So how do you get the Jalen Hawkins of the world ready, getting them reps, you know, kind of game look reps when they've got people in front of them? You know, how how are you getting Richie Grant ready? And that's a hard thing to do, but the good teams manage to do it. I live in L.A. The Rams develop players. I mean, you look at their defense, you can name Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but not many more because they develop guys and the next year they're ready. Right? So the Seahawks do that. Very, very well. I mean, there's certain teams that constantly do that. Can this Falcons team do that? Because, again, this year there's going to be so much churning of the roster after the season. All those guys on one-year deals will be gone. You know, they're going to be bringing other people. They just have to figure out where because there's a lot of directions they can go. A lot of us are thinking, you know, quarterback is what they have to do. But you know what? You look at the prospects coming up. Yeah. I don't know if if you want to make that move. I mean, as much as people don't may want to get rid of Matt Ryan for who? Exactly. They're not trading for tell Deshaun. Them. They're not giving up the freight it's going to take for Deshaun. Well, listen. So, I, Steve, but I think that was a very a great point that you articulated there because I want to kind of look at it from the other side of the lens. There, in the people who are in charge of making that progress happen, how do we evaluate this coaching staff and the job that they do throughout the season? If, like you said, a couple of injuries can derail everything. Um, it becomes really hard to get the type of reps without meticulous planning and organizing on an organizational level for how you structure a day. It's really hard to get players who are young, those actual game-like reps, unless they're playing in a game. And at that point, their inexperience is probably going to show. So what does progress from a coaching standpoint look like to you this season? It probably isn't on-field results, but what what are small signs that maybe fans can latch onto to know, okay, this coaching staff is doing its job, even if it's not translating into wins and losses on Sundays? I think about as the season goes on, see if some of those young players, you got to get them on the field. You have to let them take their lumps, right, and see if they learn from them because you can't just sit here. And here, this is the biggest misnomer, all of us who cover this game and watch this game, think, okay, this cornerback here, he's coming out, he's playing a cover two scheme, and, you know, he gets baked on the back quarter because he didn't carry his man all the way through, whatever it is. It changes based on opposing personnel. It changes. like It's, it's all matchups. There's so many different things. And over, you know, you know this, right? When you're, when you're going through a lead block against a certain team that may play, let's say, an even front, a 4-3 front. So you're going through a middle linebacker. Well, one middle linebacker may be a chase and pursuit linebacker. Another dude may be a hard yep. rock that you got to take on a Absolutely. certain way. Right? So some guys are going to 
look good some weeks and not look good some weeks because they're going against different personnel they've never played against before. And they've got to kind of figure things out. So you got to eventually get them on the field. You can't just wait until the season is so-called lost. Because then guys are going there with a completely different agendas. Those young guys are stressing to impress their coaches. The veterans are ready to pack their bags and get yes, out. Sir. Right? And so you've got to get them some type of rot- in a rotation now to see what they can do under pressure. Uh, you got to rotate the bodies through and say, okay, it's third and 15. How's this guy going to hold up with two minutes left on the clock? Is he going to play to keep the receiver from going out of bounds? Or is he going to make a mistake and let him make a catch 15 yards downfield and get out of bounds and stop the clock? There's all kinds of things you have to do to test these players' football IQ that we as kind of the general layman don't think about. One of those guys who've been on the field like Ovi, they know exactly what situation a football is, and that's the best way to test to see if a player's getting better. That's real solid. Um, Steve, one of the things that I'd love to hear from you is that, you know, being that you know, uh, you have, you have a bird's eye view. You know, you're a beat writer for the Wild for the Falcons and now work with NFL Network. You see all the teams. You cover all the teams. You have to know what's going on. With, obviously, the Falcons are nowhere in uh, the upper echelon of teams. But like, how soon do you think we can turn it around to where we can be like we were when I was there, like in 2010, we had, you know, 13-3 season and we had like 11 guys going to the Pro Bowl. And, you know, Mike Smith had really found a way to to get us moving. We, we all had the belief. We all had that desire. We had the passion. Defense wasn't quite where offense was. But, again, we had Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez, and, uh, you know, gosh, Claybo, Harvey Dahl. We were just stacked <laughs> on offense. And – I, I want to get back to that point because yeah. as not bleak, but as far as we've seen from getting to that point, you were there at a time when we had that Michael Vick situation. We had Joey Harrington, Byron Leftwich, you know, Chris Redman, and no one ever thought we'd get to the point where we were a 13 and three dominant team, you know, uh, having a bye week. How did the Falcons get back to that? How long does it take them to get back to that? Over, you know, you know, it doesn't take long. You know it doesn't take long because you just talked about that 07 season, which was just an absolute dumpster fire, right? Yeah. But then you come in, you draft Matt, right? You add Michael the Burner Turner right behind you, right? You have an offensive line coach that takes the same talent. Remember, Paul Boudreaux came in and yeah, took an Boudreaux offensive line. Best. Right, took an offensive line that everyone said was hot garbage, put them in a yep. scheme – where they could all play on a thread, and you guys go to the playoffs, right? Now, there were, there was there was an attitude change. Clearly, the coaches – and not to say that there wasn't bad coaches on Petrino's staff. I mean, he had Mike Zimmer. Yeah. He had Hugh Jackson. It's a great staff. Yeah, you know, Jerry Rosberg. It's a great staff. Joe Witt. I mean, it was a great – it was a really good staff. Yeah. But it, they just didn't work in harmony. Like, the way when Mike Smith came in, he had his guys. They worked a certain Mark way. Mark was the to, best office coordinator. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, you know, they said, okay, here's the type of offensive line we have. We've got a zone scheme, right? We're not going to muscle anybody. And they designed stuff around their talent. And then when they saw that Matt could play – I'll never get Matt's first practice in minicamp. He was throwing behind everybody. Roddy, Joe Horn, all these guys. They were frustrated. Like, this is the dude? Yep. 
And then yep. the next, the next <laughs> mini camp, everybody was like, oh, okay, because he's putting the ball on the money. He just had never played with guys that fast before, guys who ran routes as precise as them. So they saw that Matt worked to get better in that short period of time by that second mini camp. So it takes absolutely changing personnel. It takes a coaching staff understanding what everybody's strengths are. It sounds cliche, but it takes a staff, the coordinator, asking the O-line coach, asking the run game coordinator, asking the wide receivers coach, working with the tight ends coach, what do these guys do well? And then they work collaboratively to come up with a plan. Okay. And then overall it takes a leader, which I think Arthur Smith is, to get everybody on the same page. But remember, this is a this is a roster. This is a very janky <laughs> roster. I mean, like I said, That's got, generous. It really is. I mean, you've got you don't have a ton of playmakers. You got Matt, you got Cordero Patterson, who nobody thought was going to be doing his yeah. thing. AJ Terrell and Kyle Pitts. I'm sorry, I can't put Calvin Ridley in that group right now because he's been inconsistent. He has made some plays where he, to me, looks like he was making some business decisions with contact was coming his way. Unfortunately. It's very, you know, it's very kind of surprising. Yeah, I mean, even on the sideline, yeah. even across the middle. So they've got to get some playmakers here because over you tell you, they, I talked about all the things that they just did, you know, in the early phases of kind of that rebound, that bounce back. But there were playmakers all over the place. You had dudes yeah. who could get it and hit it. And this team just does not have that. So they've got to find playmakers on both sides of the ball. And that might take a little time. Steve, I, I love the point that you made about uh, coaching staff having to really play to their or use their players to their strengths. And that's something that I don't think enough of the football public understands. And it's the same reason why we're sitting here during draft season and saying, man, imagine adding C.D. Lamb to that offense or imagine adding this player to this offense. And it's kind of like, yeah, but it's you got to figure out how to make it work. Given how disjointed this roster is with you know, two new players on the roster who are your two starting running backs. And Matt Ryan's in his first year working with these guys. Alongside of that, a whole new offensive coaching staff. Dave Brock is the only holdover there. So this bye week, how important is it because it comes so early in the season for this coaching staff to really kind of pull up the hood on this car, figure out, okay, we've seen now that Corderell Patterson is kind of doing what he's been doing. How do we utilize him in other ways? How do we get him more involved? Kind of Kyle Pitts had his breakout game. How much do you expect this offense to maybe change coming out of the bye week because they've had this early chance to really look at what their players have been able to do so far? Great question. It's, it's going to steadily evolve, but I think we've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, they realize yeah. Jalen Mayfield is not a tackle, right? They move him inside. First couple outings were a little rough, but now he looks real, right? He looks like a real starting NFL interior lineman. And you're starting to see this offensive line establish itself more and more. That Jets D line is a physical defensive line with Quinn and yeah. Williams and guys, and they just handled them, right? That guy, those guys up front just handled Lee Smith, tight end, was really doing work. And so I think now they're starting to see, okay, we can do this with this particular look. We can line up Patterson wide and take a linebacker out of the way and boom, you know, send him. Mike Davis, you know, off tackle or up the middle or something. So I think they're starting to see things because these coaches, it's not just your personnel. Again, you have to see what other teams are trying to do to stop your personnel. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the cat and mouse game of of coaching. So I think these guys, the one thing I I hope they don't do is when really engaged come back, all of a sudden diminish Kyle Pitts. 
because first off, I couldn't believe the Jets were just singling him up over and over, and I was like, "My God, he's, he's one team. He's all they have in the pass game, and you're singling, you're singling him up." Um, yep. But if they double him up, then that's going to free up Gage, or that's going to free up Ridley. So keep on doing the things you're doing with him. Use him like the Raiders used Darren Waller. Um, I think defensively, it's a little tougher. Um, they're not a very physical defense in terms of imposing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on how they're built. And you've got some guys in the secondary who are trying to figure it out. So that's going to be a little bit more of a slow burn. But I do think that this coaching staff is is pretty quickly figuring out what guys' strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, with the strengths and weaknesses, you mentioned Kyle Pitts. I want you to go a little bit more into that because, you know, I, I've been able to see Matt Ryan coming in as a rookie, you know, high pick, you know, a lot of expectations. He lived up to it. Julio Jones came in as a rookie, you know, high pick. Well, you know, we traded for him, traded the world for him, high expectations. Somehow Julio, you know, exceeded those expectations. Kyle Pitts, the expectations are through the roof, and they are expecting him to be, you know, Tony Gonzalez, you know, times 10 and the best uh, tight end ever to play in the history of tight ends. And I don't know if it's fair to say he has a slow start because it's only week four or five, and, you know, Week five, he showed that a 100-yard game could be what we see from Kyle Pitts every single week. How do we not mess this up? Because he could be a gem for the Falcons. How do the Falcons deal with Kyle Pitts in order to encourage him to continue to give us consistent 100-yard games and to help us win now this season and in the future? Well, a lot of it's on him, too, with recognition. See, when he's on the field, if he's lining up wide, you know, wide or if he's – the second man in a bunch, and he's the front guy, or if he's the back guy. Recognition of how the defense is trying to play you, and are you going to end up being the number one option, number two option? So some of it's going to be on him. Some of it's going to be on scheme. But the thing he's got to keep doing now is he's got to feel how wonderful that tasted. Like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm real, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a real dude. I'm catching touchdowns. I'm moving the chains. I'm getting open, intermediate, deep, and short. You know, oh, now they got somebody following me. I'm a decoy that's going to open something up. Like, he's, he's got to realize all these things are happening just because of his presence. And and I think the coaching staff is going to continue to try to use him. Matt, now trust him. You know that if Matt doesn't trust you, you ain't seen the no, ball it's over. Unless, unless it's a desperate it's move. <laughs> so, I'm, I dropped the ball one time in a big game, big situation. Like, three, four games, like, Matt would not go to me because he's like, ah – there's Michael Turner. I'll throw it to Michael. I was like, come on. You know Mike has terrible hands. Throw me the ball, Matt. He's like, man, that third down three games ago, you burned me. I said, like, come on, man. So I I would literally stay after practice and just catch balls and jugs. Like, See, Matt? See, I'm practicing. See, I'm ready. And I would just focus on every ball he threw me, catching it, tucking it, running it. You have to. And it, it, it shouldn't be that way, but people have long memories. And Matt remembers if you're a guy that he can trust or a guy you can't. So – Kyle Pitts needs to stay on his good side, and right now he's on it. Yeah, I mean, and, and Matt's going to go to him, I think, when they come out against Miami. Okay, Miami's going to bring the smoke. That defensive front is as physical as it gets, right? So running the ball against them might not be easy early if they're not connecting in the pass game. And Miami's going to put Eric Rowe, right? They've got a safety. Eric Rowe's kind of their nickel safety. They man him up on tight ends. He is their designated tight end stopper. Okay, so how's Kyle going to do over four quarters having some dude in his grill nonstop? Right, that's what yep. Miami does. They did it with Darren Waller. Darren Waller tore him up. They threw him the ball twenty times. Wow, you're gonna keep on doing this. I'm gonna keep on killing you. Right, and so that's 
that's how it's going to work. Again, this is part recognition with Pitts, part trust with Matt. And Matt's going to go to him, see if he can handle. And if not, I got other options yeah. now. So, I mean, that's just how it works. And it's it's not going to be a 100-yard game every week, especially no. at that kind of hybrid position. He might only get four targets. But what he does in carrying a defender and creating a certain void in the field for somebody else to excel is just as important as him having, you know, seven or eight catches and a touchdown. Yeah, and the Falcons have not been afraid with how they've used him so far. I mean, they they have been as adventurous as any team, I think, in their personnel groupings. They've gone five wide out of 13 personnel um, multiple times this season, which is... That's, 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 but, that's our, but that's Arthur Smith. That's Arthur that's Smith. That's what Arthur Smith does. Yeah. And, and which, is, which is why Kyle Pitts is kind of the perfect player to really pair with somebody like that. But I think I remember talking to Mike Malarkey, and, and this kind of even ties into it a little bit more. He was saying tight end, he thinks behind quarterback is probably the second hardest offensive position to learn as a young player because you're a part of everything. You're a part of the run blocking. You're a part of the pass p- packages, the different personnel groups. I mean, you just have to learn so much. And Kyle Pitts is having to learn it all, you know, right now with the spotlight as, as bright as it is on him. Um, but somebody who had to do that last year and who I heard you bring up among the players who are kind of star players, I guess, for the Falcons right now is A.J. Terrell. I think he's had an incredible start to the season. Um, the Good player, man. He's not being tested, but when he is, he's not really giving up much yardage, which was kind of the problem with him last year was he was in the right position, but he was still giving up some tough contested catches, but still giving up the catch. What have you seen from A.J. Terrell so far this year? Confidence. Yeah, physicality, um, knowing his opposing personnel, and understanding what he's supposed to do in the scheme. I mean, it is a scheme. DPs wants the front seven to be incredibly physical, and just personnel wise, they're just they're not built that way, right? So, I just think Terrell teams know he's that guy. He's big. He's a really big corner, um, but he just seems to understand things a lot more, especially in this adjusted scheme. And, and that's and that's huge. It's coming up. He's going to be tested. You know, it's, you know, the Falcons have got to start putting points on the board. So teams have to start throwing the ball a little <laughs> bit more in his direction. Um, but I just think he's a special, special player that no one's talking about because, you know, they're in the, they're, he plays for the Falcons right now. Yeah. And he's no Trayvon Diggs making you know, five interceptions so far this season. Same draft class. Yeah, but- Trayvon, hey, Tray- Trayvon Diggs is going to end the season with six interceptions because nobody can be throwing <laughs> the ball his way anymore. Uh, if teams yeah. haven't learned, they better learn. Oh, man, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team that has a defensive player inexplicably. Um, but Trayvon Diggs has made me happy in that area so far. Um, <laughs> Ovi, we got time for one more question. Uh, you want to hit Steve with it? I- I'd like to hear uh, Steve kind of think of way back when you first started with the Falcons and – you were in the locker room, uh, seeing the actually feeling the vibe of the team, and you being day in day out beat writer for AJC and with the Falcons, you kind of understood the the, the culture. Or you probably saw the culture change from with Petrino to uh, Mike Smith, but also from the players and the coaches. It, it went from inside out. It changed the whole team. Can you talk about? The, the change that you saw and how it, you know, it's kind of hard to describe it, but that, that feeling that uh, that you had a chance to witness occurred in the locker room that made us a team that couldn't even sniff the playoffs. We're happy to win four games to a team that can contend 
And, you know, I don't know if you've been in the locker room recently, but how can they recreate that? Yeah, great question. First off, we can't get into the locker room because of COVID protocol, which stinks. You know, right. I really, really wish because that's the best part of what I do is kind of going in. I can tell now because of my years of doing this, which teams have good chemistry and which teams are going to good. I can, I can watch the way teams practice in, in mm-hmm. training camp and say, okay, this team's going to be pretty good if they stay healthy or getting into the locker room. But to get to the first part of your question, as you know, during Petrino, guys weren't necessarily even feeling him in the mini camps in the off season. I remember talking to Keenan Forney, the guard. I was asking about Petrino. Keenan was like, I can't really tell you anything about him yet. We'll see. And that's the telltale. (laughs) Like, ah, he's not, he's not treating you. But I could tell because Keenan's like, you treat me like a, you know, decent person. I got, you know, I got you. So, I think, you know, Bobby came in treating guys like, you know, they were still on scholarship. He did not understand yep. that these are grown men. And y'all had some person that, like, you can't treat lawyer my lawyer John Abraham <laughs> like that or Jonathan Fabio no, like that. Not at all. You know, you could, or D'Angelo Hall. D. Hall, Tyson Claybow. Come on. You couldn't you couldn't do guys like that. But the Mike Smith came in and was like, hey, basically, I'm going to treat you like a man. You treat me like a man. And until you don't, we're good. And I think you had that. But then I also think the fact that because you guys went through everything you went through, it was so united and over. I remember your locker. You had the O-line just to your right. Yep. You had the tight ends near you, and then you had the running backs and quarterbacks, right? You'd be mingling with McClure and Claybo with those guys, and you know the Algie Crumpler at the time or, or Tony would come down and talk to Matt and talk to Roddy or talk to Joe Horn. There was just such a we're all in this together, even though you had offense on one side and defense on the other. You know, Keith Brooking was over there, you know, talking to certain guys. And, you know, it was yep. it was just a really it's like it was when I first started covering the team in 05 when they were a playoff type team. Right. Everybody was kind of we're in this together. And that's a hard thing for teams to get because once those doors close, guys have different lives, right? And so yeah. I don't know where this team is in that regard. Um, and watching the team practice in training camp, there was a seemed like so much of a feeling out process. Okay, how, how what's the coach going to do here? What's this rotational group going to do there? So I don't know where they are right now because I'm not there every day. But from what I saw against the Jets, as we know, not a good team, but the confidence – that the Falcons played with on both sides of the ball, if they can continue to say, we might we might be able to do something, okay? We got a little something, something here. Even if they lose a ball game, that's something that's going to help them grow and evolve as the season goes along. And, I, and I'm right about your locker, right, Ovi? Am I right where your locker location was? My memory serving me right? Are, no, you are right about my locker. It, it was dirty all the damn time because I, I, I didn't like cleaning up, but it was there. <laughs> it was there. Uh, equipment staff wasn't coming by your your locker to clean up for you, Ovi. You weren't getting that that treatment. Oh, I, I had to pay. I had to pay some of the guys just to wow. my mess. I felt so bad. For what, were you, what were you leaving in oh there? God. Everything. I, my, my food. I had like See. my pads, my socks, and I, didn't, I was so tired at the end of every practice. I didn't feel like putting it up in the right place. I just shed my skin and oh, you ran home. <laughs> You were good. Yes. You were good yeah. until you said the food part. Nobody's trying to clean clean up your French fries. 
<laughs> I was hungry. I'd stay food for lunch. Oh man, Steve, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and for your perspective on on this team. Uh, it's been a tough few years uh, here in Atlanta, NFL wise, but hopefully this is the start of something bigger. Even if it doesn't happen this year, um, it does seem like Arthur Smith has them at least turning in the right direction. Uh, is there anything? Everybody can see you on their TVs every single day if they're football fans, but is there anything else that you want to uh, let our listeners know about? Yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, if you're, if you're a Falcons fan, I mean, understand this is a growth period. I mean, it's – you may not want to hear it, but if you don't haven't figured that part out right now, like I said, it's going to be fits and starts. Guys are going to look good one game, not so good. It's, it's part of a process. I mean, that was Mike Smith's favorite word, but it eventually got him to a Super Bowl, you know, a Super Bowl appear. So – or close to it, I should say. So, you know, just just kind of understand that it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a minute. Um, don't get too excited if they win a game or two in a row, and you know, don't go burning up your tickets if they lose two or three straight games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve Weiss, trust in the process. Those are his words <laughs> to Falcons fans. Steve, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Steve. Oh, man, Ovi, how, how great was Steve in that interview? Yeah, he was amazing. Uh, you know, having the guy who has the football knowledge he has come and kind of bless us with uh, that, that good talk was wonderful. Yeah, and I, I thought that he made some great points about the really the process that the t- this team is on. Um, I loved how much you guys got into it with the transition from Bobby Petrino to Mike Smith and the rebound from 2007 to 2008, because that's exactly right. That 2007 was season was probably the lowest point in franchise history. And if the the Falcons yeah. can rebound from that and make the playoffs the next year, why not this? Why not this yeah, year? Man? Why not this? Why not this year? Great point. So, Great um, thank you guys so much uh, for listening today. Again, there will not be a podcast on Sunday because the Falcons are not playing. So everybody, please. Enjoy your bye week. If that means just watching all the other games, great. If that means getting out of the house and going to spend an afternoon with with your lovely wives or girlfriends or boyfriends or partners, then go enjoy the day. But good call. <laughs> but um, as always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Ovi, thanks so much for joining me. As always, thank you guys for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.